Welcome to another episode of Michael Motivates. And in this episode, my special guest is former NBA point guard Chris Childs. We became friends while I was a ball boy during his time with the New Jersey Nets, and it turned into a bond. He later signed with the New York Knicks and got me the position as the ball boy with the team in 2000. We're going to talk about mental health, share some personal stories with the New Jersey Nets and New York Knicks, and also discuss life challenges as a human being. And it's my pleasure to welcome my special guest, brother, good friend, former NBA point guard, Chris Childs. But yo, bro, like, I know it's been a couple of years, man. I've been, it's been a long journey for me, man. Like, I was going through it, man. I was going through some, like, some real mental health issues and, you know, I'm, I almost attempted suicide a couple times, like, you know, just life got, it got hard for me and I, I didn't know, I didn't know where to turn. Like God was on my side. Like he showed me things, but I didn't know how to handle certain things. Like I just didn't know how to handle life. I didn't know how to handle like odd jobs I was doing with like working in the car industry. Like everything was just different. Everything was different. Yeah. And, you know, once, like once, I was having a rough time just finding myself, like who I was, what what my purpose was in life. And like, I started to like just shield away from everybody. Like I just, I almost became a ghost. Like nobody could find me. Cause I was just, right. I was searching, man. And yeah, I mean, we, we come from the, we were the underdogs, man. You know what I'm saying? Nobody ever thought that we would, that we would be there, you know, we, I'm a regular dude. I just happened to play, you know what I'm saying, in the NBA. And when I got to the league, nothing changed about me. Nah, I I didn't. I was the same cat rocking with regular people, you know, hanging out, you know, enjoying myself, enjoying people. And, you know, when you start talking about the mental health issues, man, that's a big thing. And it's, it's, it's a big thing in society, but it's, it's taboo in the black community. Yeah, that's true. You know what I'm saying? Because nobody, we were taught not to expose yourself or talk about uh, personal things or or uh, being emotional. What it is, Mike, is the world is towards the end. This is, you know, the things that are happening is towards the end, man. And so we, God is letting us know to prepare. You know, prepare yourself. You know, you guys are worshiping the wrong things. Yeah. You're worshiping jewelry, money, cars, clothes. I'm the person that you're supposed to worship. I'm almighty. So let me give you guys a reality check. You know, everybody always say, you know, growing up and being around a lot of spiritual people, that he's not a punishing God. Don't believe that. Because... He's he he made the devil, so he's the good and the bad. That's true. So we got to get back to worshiping uh, him and living to glorify his name, and you know fight through this, man. Because you know that was part of our life, and it was a great time, and it, it should be a stepping stone to do different things in your life, and that's where I'm at with mine. That. I'm just trying to help the next person be better than, be a better version of themselves. 
you 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 were always like that. Like when we used to go out, you used to always take care of homeless people, used to give them tips. Even like when we used to go to clubs, people at like the front door or security, you would always take care of people. Just either give them money or, you know, like I said, the homeless people, you I seen you either give money to homeless people or buy them food. Like you always you was always willing to take care of somebody who didn't have it because you was like, yo, I know what it's like. Like before you came to the, the, the NBA, using the CBA, but you was like, yo, you know, I, I was going through it. But somebody helped you get get to the point where you was able to get into the NBA. And then you right. became a blessing to others, especially me. Appreciate that, man. That's, that's what I'm all about. That's what I still do to this day, man. You know, I mentor young men. You know, I train basketball young men. I still go downtown Jacksonville and drop off bottles and cases of water to the homeless, food, blankets, soap. Uh, there's been people on IG sending donations to, you know, to help. You know, this is what I do, man. That's what uh, my father taught me is to always be there for others, man. Be a blessing. You can't take it with you. I remember a story, a time, man, when... Uh, we used to go fishing, me and my pops. And, you know, be people out there that didn't have certain things to catch the fish with. My father would like go in his tackle box and help them out or give them this, give them that. And all he would say to them is like, you know, just do this for the next person. And so, you know, when pops passed, that's something I did it before he passed, but when he when he passed, I definitely remember that. <laughs> that uh, he would always say, you know, when you do something for somebody, just let that person know, do this for the next person. You know, when you see somebody in need, you feel me, help them out. And mm. I never did these things uh, to, for, for people to like me or to, to give me blessed kudos or anything. Nah, I did it because I enjoy seeing people win I want everybody to win yeah. you know what I'm saying because I was there in the CBA with, with, with a wife and two kids making $500 before taxes trying mm -hmm. to you know raise a family off of $500 $350 after taxes trying to you know keep you know the water on keep lights on and, you know having one card you know trying to pay a car note so once I got to the league, it wasn't like, you didn't see me with Mercedes and all that stuff. I had a Jaguar that I won from a car <laughs> on the plane. You know what I mean? I had a Jaguar. That's all I had. I had, a little, I had a Range Rover. I wasn't out there buying Bentleys and Mercedes and all that stuff. That just wasn't my get out, you know? But hold up. Let's talk about the, the Eddie Bauer, the Ford Explorer Eddie Bauer edition with the, when you was with the Nets. Oh, okay. Yeah, I had the Eddie Bauer, man. I gave that to my, my ex-wife's father down the line, but that was a car I had in the CBA. Yeah. You, you you used to let me take care of that truck when, when you was away. Yeah, man. I, 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 you, man, you was all over the world with that, man. Yeah, I sure was. I ain't gonna lie. <laughs> yeah, them, um, them stories back in the day, man. Now, you got me the job. You got me the job at the Knicks. I was that was like a dream come true. 
Because I always said, I, I was like, man, I wonder what it's like to work for the New York Knicks. And then you had signed with the Knicks. Oh, that, I signed with the Knicks in 96. But we still kept in contact. And right. then when you, I'll never forget, man. And I talk about this book. When you signed with the Knicks, you called me. And you was like, Mike, I signed with the Knicks. I was like, yeah, right. He was like, man, it's on. And he was like, come hang with your brother. And I'll never forget we was in that limo ride. It was me and you and somebody else. <laughs> <laughs> and, yo, I just seen, like, this world of joy in your face. Like, you had this big smile. And um, I remember we went out to dinner. And um, he was like, I was like, yo, man, I was so happy for you. Because, like, I could see, like, you was, you was in another, you, you was in, like, another world, like, I guess it was like a dream come true, was it? Yeah, well, yeah. You know, you you work your, your your butt off for all those years. And even when I got to the Nets, my first year, I was still, they gave me a partial guarantee. After I won the championship in the CB, I get there, partial guarantee, which was only 75000 Wow. So they gave me seventy-five, and then I'm balling. Yeah, you then they gave me the other 75. So then the next year, they didn't want to get down and gave me a one-year deal because I heard you at 50. So I'm like, I still got to prove myself. And that's when I was like, yo, I don't care who out there. You know, Kenny's my man, Chubbs, love you, brother. Uh, Michael Jordan came in. I didn't care who it was, bro. They was getting business. Yeah. I was just, I had that chip on my shoulder. So and then once I got to the Knicks, it was like, dang, fine, respect. You know what I'm saying? I got respect. Now I'm here. Now let's go. Let's really go to work. You know, and then I was like, I never forget, you know, cats that was there with me. The crew, you know what I'm saying? I brought the crew and, you know, Ali was still my barber. I didn't go to New York, get a new barber. I kept my barber in, you know, in Jersey. We made it. I made it sure that we made it. It wasn't just me. Yeah. My boys, we made it. You know what I'm saying? La Rue, you know, Lottie La Johnny, Rue. we like to party. You know La Rue with the legal videos. <laughs> yeah, Lottie Dottie with the video bag. <laughs> oh, man. That was wild. Yeah, it was, we, we had some wild times, man. Then, you know, um, after the games, we would it was either the clubs or or the trip up to Atlantic City. Either that first we would go, it would either be 33rd Street, the Italian spot, just to yeah. out with the fans. Yeah. I had the, you know, the fans or yeah, you sure did. City. Yeah, me and Oak. Me and Oak was always right there. Right next to the garden at the Italian spot, 33rd. And um we made we we me and Oak were like, all right, we ain't got we got practice at 10. Man, let's go to Atlantic City. Come, you know, go to Atlantic City, hang out, gamble, shoot, shoot back, go straight to practice, you know. Or we hit the city, we hit the Sue's rendezvous, or we hit <laughs> we hit Jimmy's in the Bronx. Uh we yeah. had a couple of spots we used to frequent. <laughs> I mean, you you brought me into a lot of places before I turned, I think before I turned 21, like when we went up to Atlantic City, I think it was for New Year's. 
and I think I was 20. And the host, I forgot his name. I think his name was uh, Barry or something like that. He was like, yeah. Mike, he was like, Mike, you can come in, but don't walk through the gambling because you're underage. And, you know, if they, they catch you, you're going to be in trouble. I was like, all right, I walk through anyway. Because be- I, I made you put the suit on some <laughs> spot, the spot in, uh, in uh, what was caucus. It? Yeah, I had the suit with the derby. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and that night I got caught and I remember seeing this boxer, this former heavyweight champion, it wasn't Iron Mike, but I remember seeing this boxer. He was he had this real angry look. And I was talking to the to the casino host and I said, I said, why he looks so angry? Why he looks so mad? He goes, Oh, he just lost a million dollars. I was like, Oh, I was like, Yeah, well, I'd be mad too. But you know, I wonder if that was I wonder if that was Riddick Bo. Nah, it was Evander. Oh, it was Evander. Okay. It was Evander. It was Evander. And um, yeah, man, like you, 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 you showed me a lot. You showed <laughs> you showed me a lot, man. That I wasn't like the once you was on the Knicks, I felt like at that time you and the team y'all own New York. Yeah, it was a, it was a, it was an unbelievable feeling, man. Because I think the city adopted a lot of us, and they, they always been a Nick Nick uh, fans. But the way we played the game, you know, it was all about hard nose, uh, no holes barred. You know, protecting our, our home court. And, you know, just the whole, you know get up and go early in the morning, work pal type, you know, team. And I just remember, man, going to the Shark Bar a couple of times, man. And, <laughs> you know, and, and the, the way I and the way I treated people, they treated me the same. And so was, And the vibe the vibe was real. Like it was all love there. Anywhere, anywhere uh, we went, like it was all love for you between the Shark Bar, between Sue's between um, there was another strip club. Um, now, what was the one in the city? It was um, um it, it wasn't Rolex. No, it was, no, no, it was um, it was a high end. Yeah, it was, it was, and that was another spot that that you you got me in under. Tw- I was under twenty one, and they was like, "Yo, he can come in, but he can't drink," and that was my oath. My first official time going to the strip club. Was, what was it? Was it was it chorus girls? Tens. girls? No, uh, t- tens. Tens. That's that's what team. it was. Yep. Tens. Yep. And that, that was, was a spot. It. That was a spot too. <laughs> <laughs> but I yeah. mean, and then um, when you used to go away with the team, when y'all used to travel, you said, "Yo, take care of the truck. You know, just keep it gas, keep it clean." Make sure nothing happens. I was like, all right, man. I used to go a lot. I stayed in Jersey, you know. I went to New York a couple of times, but mostly in New Jersey. But um, I got pulled. Remember the night I got pulled over in your truck? It was like yeah. one o'clock in the morning. <laughs> I said, I said, Chris, I got pulled over, man. And the cop, she wanted to know if you got anything in here that I could give her. <laughs> and then he was like, just, just tell her I'll give her some tickets. I got to go to sleep. I got a game in the morning. 
<laughs> wow, yeah, yeah. We uh man, we it was we were just we were just loved by a lot of people, man. And we never abused the love, we never abused the uh our our name. We always stayed respectful. And uh it was it was it was all love, man. The people, police, the, I mean I remember I got pulled over, man, because I was late. I left I left Stanford late and I was going to the city and it was like game was at 7 30 and it was like 5 15 and you know i used to get there at five yeah and i'm still in connecticut so i'm riding on the shoulder <laughs> because it was traffic i remember this. Over. i get pulled over they give me an escort into the city man and i got there because we usually have to be there an hour and a half before the game but i usually like to be there two two and a half hours and I got there, pulled in right at 6.05. Supposed to been at 6. So I ran in there, got dressed, you know, got ready so I didn't get fined. But it was, man, if it wasn't for the police officers, man, I would have been messed up. I remember that. There was there was one time you and I think it was you and Spree, there was a time, it was right before a Nick game, and we was going to go out later that night. And you was like, yo, I need a new Coogee. This is when you was like collecting Coogee sweaters like there was no tomorrow. Right. You, you, I think it was you and Spree sent me and Larry to go get some Coogee sweaters. Now, I don't know if I never told you this, but so I took I took your truck and Larry took Spree's Benz. And we drove up to Hum 45th Street in Manhattan. <laughs> 30 minutes. <laughs> This is a true story. 30 minutes before the Knicks game, we took y'all vehicles, parked right in front of the store on 144 on 145th Street, got out in our ball boy outfits, went in the store, bought two Coogee sweaters, hopped back in the car, and drove back down to the garden and acted like ain't nothing ever happened. And pulled up right, right during, right during tip-off. And, That's crazy. Ain't nobody ever know what, what we did. That's crazy. Yeah, we used to have y'all on missions, boy. <laughs> we used to have y'all on missions. Man, I, I'd have done anything for you, man. Like, I'd have done anything for you, brother, because you got me a job, and then you just looked out, man. Like, when I needed advice, you know, on, like, women or or just with family or whatever, like, you know what I'm saying? You gave me a lot of advice, man. And, yeah, um, man. you know, when I was hurt when you left, like when they traded you, because I honestly, I, I wanted to eventually become your manager. Like that was, I wanted to become your manager. And when they traded you, I was, I was hurt, man. Like I didn't know what to, I really didn't know what to do. Like everything was just different. Was you, you was with me in the barbershop. Remember when we, uh, it was, it was the trade deadline. I was in the barbershop in Hackensack. Champions getting a cut from Ollie. It was a blizzard. We was in the barbershop. And everybody's oh, see you made it. You made it. It was 11.59. Midnight, the trade deadline was over. It was 11.59 and 30 seconds. My phone rang and said I was traded to Toronto. Yeah, that was. I was like, God, damn. And everybody, we was happy. We was getting ready to go out. Yep. And celebrate. Yep. 
and got the call. It was like all the air came out. Yep. And I was like, dang. But we still went out. You know, yeah. we still went out, but it took a minute because I wasn't I wasn't myself. But you know, after I got to Toronto, you know, the business side of it kicked in and I was like, well, you know, I guess it's just business. I just gotta take it out on them. And so when I got traded, I mean and just how the how God works. We end up playing them in the playoffs. Yeah, I remember that too. I remember oh, I was like, I was like, I'm going to work. <laughs> I was talking shit to Jeff and me and Spree. I was about to beat up Spree. I was on one, but uh, it was it was hard to play against my team uh, that I you know got my first break with. Uh, you know, the Knicks is my family, so it was very hard. But I got to Toronto, made the, the adjustment better was because Oak was there. He got traded, I think, a year before. Yeah. year before. And so that made that transition a little easier. And then having Lenny Wilkins, the coach, and having Vince, everybody, I was like, oh, we got a cool squad and the city is banging. Yeah, I remember you kept telling me about Toronto. Was He was like, yo, you got to come out here. They love me out here. Like, it's a lovely city. That's it was just it was a clean of New York, man. That city was amazing, bro. It was like you ain't really never keep security around you because you you was like you wasn't that type of dude, but it did one time. And one time that it did, I went against everything that I said I wouldn't I wouldn't do. Cause every time we used to hang out, never was the last one to leave. We didn't close down no club. This one time, I didn't even want to go, but I remember Jesse Armstead, who played for the Giants, they got traded to the Redskins. And he called me, he's like, man, I'm having a party, you know, I'm leaving, so we celebrating, da nah, man, I ain't really feeling it. He's like, come on, bro, I've been knowing you, we are leaving, but it was at Justin's, Puffy spot. So I'm like, all right, man, I'll go. So go to the to the joint, me and Brad, and uh, go inside, the place was just popping. This is when they had the Sky Pages, right? Oh, yeah. And so we in there, whatever, we chilling, we kicking it and partying up. And it was me, Brad, uh, MC Search, and his mother, his mother and father. So I, I, I didn't, we didn't take a little more. I drove. I had Kadeem Massenburg's, uh, I was getting ready to buy his uh, Mercedes for, uh, for tip. Mm. Uh, you know what I'm saying? Yeah. I was getting ready to buy it, so I had it. And so everybody leaving. I mean, you diamonds, jewelries, everything. Everybody out there. So everybody leaving. So Brad, MC Search, his mom, pops, and me. We walking out. So as we walk out, I see this young dude with a Lincoln jacket on, bouncing up down. Hey, what's up, Mr. Child? What's up, man? You all right? He's like, Yeah, I'm all right. All right, cool. So we walking, and so Brad now go in front of me. I'm like, All right, I'm gonna go get in my car. And so they start walking. I turn around, and the dude. Walk by me fast and hit me on the pocket, right? So I turns and square on him, like, all right, you in trouble. It's just you. And as I turn to square on him, the dude that had the Laker jack pointed a 38 at me. Oh, that's how it oh. that this is how see everybody told trying to tell a story. They ain't tell the story. I'm gonna tell you the real story. And so as he turned and put the 38 on me, I saw he was nervous. So as he's doing that, the other dudes touched my pocket. So I'm like, all right, take what you what y'all gonna get. And so I didn't really have, you know, a whole bunch of them. I might have like five hundred dollars. I had uh had a watch and I had dog tags on my grandfather's dog tags that I had to dime, I had to dine it out. So they took that. And so at that time, 
I got my hands up and I'm thinking, I grabbed this dude and shield. And I was like, nah, this dude is nervous. So I let him get it. So he took everything. He tell a young boy, shoot this nigga. Right. Mm. And, at, and at that time, I grabbed, I had a pinky ring. I said, I got a pinky ring. And as I say, I got a pinky ring, his other boys had uh, Brad and them and MC searched them against the wall, but they had their hands under their shirt. Brad was like, they ain't got a gun. Call the police. And as they said that, the mother cats took off running. Oh. They took off running, so I grabbed Brad, get in, we're going to chase him, because I'm hot. So I had a spare key under the tire, so I grabbed a spare key. We in the Mercedes, flying, chasing him, because I know they're going to the subway. So Brad on the phone with, with you know, with the people. Yeah. And so they they find, they locate us through the phone, pull us over, say, get in the car with us. We I think we got them. They shut down the subway, the whole subway. It was like cops. They shut down the subway, so we pull up. They flash lights. Is that him? Or yeah. So I point them all up. So we get down to the precinct. Can't remember the precinct, but I'm sitting there waiting. I'm hot. I'm on fire. So we sitting there waiting for him to bring the report. So one of the detectives I knew, I say, hey, man, you such and such. She's like, yo, you cool. That was you. I said, yeah. I say, man, open that cell right there. The dude, he said, shoot me. I said, open that cell. Let me in there. Five minutes. Word. Yeah, he's like, no, nah, I say, man, y'all do it all the time, man. Just let me in there. I just want to talk to him for five minutes. So he was like, looking around, he said, all right, I'm going to let you in there. He unlocked the door, let me in there. Oh, boy, eyes like this. I say, man, you going to take everything and say, shoot me? I said, you got one chance to swing, dog, right now. And he swung and missed, and I went to hit him about eight times. Beep, 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 beep. And I took the chair and put it on his neck. And so they heard the ruckus. They running out. Oh, Chris, you gonna kill him. You can't do that. Da, da, da. And they took me up out of there. That's how the, that's how it went down. Yeah, that's, that's the yeah, official man. story, man. That's the official story I'm telling on your joint, right? That's how it went down. That's how I got, I got stuck up. Because you know the news report is something totally opposite. That's always like that. Of, of course it is. That's how. That's the whole story that I ain't ever told to nobody how it went down. Because the dude that had the gun, he had a he had cut a hole in his sleeve, and as they was running, couldn't get the gun out the jacket, and so they caught him with the gun. He was only 19 or something, so he, he ended up doing some jury time, and he did seven years. A couple of other guys got 12 years because they, they were strong on robbery because they, they had a gun. I ended up getting my uh, my watch back and my ring back, but I didn't get my dog tags back, and I know the police kept that probably. But uh, yeah, man, wow. that's how it went down. Wow, man. And you went in the jail cell with the dude. It was it was a room. It wasn't a jail cell. Oh, it was the room. room. Like the door with the door with the window in there, like the uh interrogation room. It was an interrogation room. And I say, man, let me in there. Cause he said when he he said shoot this in, he told the the young boy to shoot this in. That's when I said, Oh, I got a pinky. And as I said, I got a pinky ring, you can Brad over, they ain't got a gun. He jet it off. And they start off in the subway. So that's why we got in the car, chased them, got on the horn. And that's when they pulled me, pulled us over, like we got on, they shut the subway down. I mean, people outside the, the subway couldn't go down the stairs. They shut it, they shut it down and caught all four. Unbelievable, man. Yeah, bro. That's how it was real. Wow, this is exclusive right here on my yeah. podcast. This is exclusive, man. It's, it's, the, it's, it's the truth. This podcast should be called the truth. <laughs> it's just, this, that's what happened. They, the news, uh, 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 what's his name, Frank Isola, 
all them, they didn't tell the truth. They they were just going by hearsay stuff. Nah, I was there. That's why. That's what really happened. Yeah, they all got. They all did. God was definitely looking out for you, brother. Man, after that, bro, I was like, Shh. and then that's when I was in Jersey. My last year, two years in Jersey, when I was getting ready to play with uh, uh, J. Kid, Kenyon Martin, Vince, and all them, and I was getting minutes, but I was hurt. Had a hairline fracture in my foot, and I couldn't get healthy. And I wasn't going out. I was going to conditioning. I was going to, to uh, rehab and all that stuff. And I was like, yeah, let me go out. Jesse Lee, this happened. And then that put a stain between uh, me and uh, Rod Thorne. And, uh, yeah, because they were yeah, kind of talking. Um, they they were kind of talking negative about you, man. The last pickup, you you know, with the Nets. Yeah, see, because that was, that was uh, Byron Scott. Eddie Jordan loved me. He was assistant coach. And but Byron didn't wasn't really, I don't know what his what his trip was, but I and Rod Thorne was just in the business too much. And I said, look, man, I'm a 30-something-year-old veteran. I know my body. My foot is messed up. Come to find out I had a hairline fraction because I couldn't lose the weight fast enough. So I was playing heavy. You know what I'm saying? I was at, yeah. I usually, like when I was with the Knicks, I come into training camp at 205 because you're going to lose 10 pounds in training camp. So I would be at 195 for the season. So that was perfect for me to play one and two, guarding two and ones. And so, but I, when I was with the Nets, I was at 215 and that was too heavy. Yeah. You see what I'm saying? I, I would lose five. So I was at 210, 205, and I need to lose that extra 10. Had my quickness back, and when I came back and played in the twenty games I played, I was I was playing well, but I wasn't sustained effort, you know, night in and night out. And so that's when uh, you know we talked and Rod, I was like, "Oh, just release me, whatever." And uh, yeah, man, I hate that I wasn't able to to help that team because that was a good team, very athletic team, very uh, smart team uh, with uh, Jay Kidd, Kenya, uh, Richard Jefferson. The year I was the events came in. Following uh, Kerry Kittles, Lucius oh. Harris. Oh, yeah. And then, um, Aaron, oh, was it Aaron Williams? Aaron Williams. Yeah. Uh, had a squad. Man. Yeah, they had a squad. They had a squad. squad. Throw that thing up there. Them boys is going up there dunking that thing. Angry. <laughs> Kenya was putting that thing on his neck, like trying to break hands. I was <laughs> loving it. He sure was. He sure was. But yeah. So I know I, I used to have regrets. You you have any regrets in the league? I, I do. I have one regret. When I went to the Knicks in 96 and I started from the CBA, my whole dream was to hear my name called starting guard for the New York Knicks, number one, Chris Child. That first year I was balling. I was after I think like 13 and seven, something like that. And uh the next year, went to Jeff's. Jeff had a we had a meeting. He's like, look, I think you'd be better suited coming off the bench because you like to score. I had already heard the rumors and Jeff mm. and trying to come at me with the you'll play more minutes. You're still gonna be there in the fourth uh, quarter. And so me being who I am, I'm like, all right, man, whatever's best for the team. Yeah. You know, I just wanna win. As long as I'm out there in crunch time, it don't really matter. That right there was my biggest regret because I didn't. Because the 97, the lockout year, I led the league in three-point shooting percentage. And I would have made the all-star team and that would have been a $500,000 bonus. But after that, yeah, we had some good runs, whatever. I was out there playing. You know, I was a big part of the team. I was in the rotation, you know, in the fourth quarter. But it wasn't the same no more. 
because I had worked my behind off five years in the CBA, two years in Jersey to get this opportunity. And then for it to be not taken away, like Charlie went out there and beat me, beat me out the spot. It was my own unselfish ways of, okay, this is what's best for the team. Then that's what it is. Mm. You know, but it wasn't talked that way in the media, you know, when it no, all it was. You know, no. so I had to I had to bite the bullet uh, because I didn't want to cause no ruckus. I wasn't gonna throw nobody under the bus. You know what I mean? Uh, I was a man, so I took my medicine and and did what I could to help the team win. But that's one of my biggest regrets. I don't know why they're not showing you love now. Well, I stuck. I know the reason why is because when the thing happened with Oak, I with spoke Oak. on. I spoke on for Oak, and I, I don't have no regrets with that. You know, that's my teammate. That's yeah. my friend. That's, but we're more than just teammates. That's my brother. That's my friend. And so when they asked me the question, I was like, I would have been there. I would have went to jail, too. They would have to drag me out of it. Yeah. Because that's my teammate. If, if all those, I'm pretty sure all those guys would have done the same thing. They're not going to say it because they work for the Knicks. And I understand that they don't want to lose their job or their money or however they take care of their family. I, I understand that. But I I don't work for the Knicks. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? I'm a Nick till I die. I don't work. I don't belong to anybody. I'm loyal to people that are loyal to me. And Oak is my loyal friend. So when that happened, it was I thought it was wrong and I spoke on it. So ever since then, they don't know. Uh, they had a, a reunion for our team, for our 90, I think it was 97, 99 team. And uh, Oak and I weren't invited. Uh, they made jackets and all that stuff. And then, uh, um, what's the brother's name that was there? Steve Mills Yeah. Uh, called me and, and I talked to him. And he was like, yeah, there was some misunderstanding. I said, Steve, it wasn't no misunderstanding. They was lying, saying that I was asking for too much. They didn't even ask me. They mm. said I was asking for rooms and all that stuff, because that's what LJ told me. I ain't asked for nothing, because ain't nobody come to me and ask me nothing. You know what I'm saying? So uh, I ain't going to let nobody you know, lie on my name. You know what I mean? Because all you have is your words. So whatever they were saying, what was going down, or why I wasn't there, or uh, Oak wasn't there is a lie because they didn't call me and ask me nothing. Uh, somebody that I was talking to on a podcast had asked me, was I going to be there? And I told him straight up, I didn't know anything about it. Yeah. So I had no inclination it was going on. I, I ain't asked for nothing. I ain't never asked for nothing. One thing I've asked for from the Knicks was some, some gear and some shoes to give away to kids. And even after you left, once they traded you, everybody started treating me differently. You know, it was like, oh, your boy ain't around now. So, you know, you got you got to watch yourself. You got to watch what you're doing, you know, because your boy ain't here to save you. And I was like, oh, OK, now I see how it's going. Yeah, yeah. That, that's how they move. Yeah. But, you know, I, I speak I speak about them, you know, in my book, um, A Ball Boy's Journey. And, <laughs> you know, just just I always felt like there was always somebody watching me. There was always someone watching me just seeing what I was doing, just to check up on me. But whenever they needed an autograph, they always come to me. They always right. came to me because they knew I, you know, I was cool with everybody. 
But if I could go back, I, I don't think I would do anything differently. You know, just the way that Saunders fired me, that's the only thing that really hurt that that sticks. It sticks to me, you know, just him saying that I was always at the wrong place at the wrong time. And that's why I was assaulted. And then just just firing me after that. That was like that was the point where, like, my life changed. And that was that was the one time I actually thought about just ending it all. I was going to I was going to drive my car into a divider. And God was like, he wouldn't let me do it. Like I, the steering wheel was not in my control where God was turning that steering wheel away from the divider. And I was just in my, my car, just crying, man. Just like, why me? Like, why is this happening to me? But it was, he got me through it, man. He got me through it. Cause then, you know, it was a few months later, I got the job at Kiss FM and became a, a producer and then moved on to Celebrity Talent Booker. So I kind of feel like it was it was destined. If you if you could have dinner with anybody, icon or, or anyone great, past or present, who would it be? Ooh, it would probably be uh, President Obama. Really? Yeah. Because I, I find it intriguing and want to pick his brain on being a Black man, being a man of color, in a, in a position that a, a, no other Black man has never been. Mm. And how was that daily grind of having people look at you with skepticism, mm. uh, having polls out there that you're failing, or you know, we've never had anybody of color in that position. So um, it would probably be President Obama, uh, Frederick Douglass, mm. uh, would be somebody that would be interesting to uh, talk to. Uh, Rosa Parks. Uh, all those pe great people that sacrifice uh, a lot of things um, for us as, as people of color to be where we are today. Uh, a lot of the past NBA players that uh, I met Bill Russell before, I had a conversation with him. I thought that was uh, great. Um, Muhammad Ali, I met, talked with him. Um, that he wrote gate, he signed my autograph, signed the book. I got some, some more uh, other memorabilia uh, left over that he signed and had a conversation with him. So I've been blessed to talk to a lot of uh, powerful, intriguing people. Uh, but it would have been pretty special to have a sit down, dinner conversation with uh, President Obama. Hmm. That's pretty moving, man. That's pretty moving. I know you used to, you used to read book a lot of books too. I remember you used to yeah. have have some books in the crib. You know, I think that's one thing that people don't kind of expect from players, like just their quiet life, their personal downtime, what they do. They just they ordinary cats, man. Yeah, man. The most important book in the world, well, the two most important books in the world, is the Bible and the dictionary. Mm. Bible and the dictionary, two most important books in the world. And 
that's how we brought up when uh, my mom's like to get that Bible, you know, let's go over your, your descriptions and whatnot. And, you know, we used to have to go to church Monday, Wednesday, Sunday. Uh, you had vacation Bible school, you had Bible study, and then you had Sunday service. And then my father with the dictionary, when I used to come home and ask him what a word meant, he wouldn't tell me. He would tell me, go get that dictionary and figure it out and then come write a sentence about it. And then I have to present it to him that way. So uh, those two books are the most important books uh, to this day still to me. And I used to do the same thing to my kids. And now I'm doing it to my grandkids. Uh, don't come ask me what a word means. Go over there and get that dictionary. <laughs> you used to always talk to me about the Bible, man. You, you used to um, tell me about the Nicene Creed. And um, you used to always, you know, because I know before games, I used to go to chapel and get the word right. in. And um, you used to kind of tip me on the shoulder about that, man. And now I, I've totally turned my life around to God, like, you know, he, he's, he is the reason why I'm still here. And, mm -hmm. you know, he's shown me a lot. He's revealed a lot of things. I've seen Jesus, you know, during uh, a horrific experience, man. So I'm just glad I'm able to, to be here and shine a light on people with darkness and hopefully, you know, change some people's lives, man, with, with my story and having you on as a guest. And it means a lot to me, man. And my brother always was like, yo, man, you need to talk to Chris, man. I just had to get to that point where I was just ready to, you know, get back and talk, man. And it feels good to talk to you, brother. It really does. No man. doubt, man. Love you too, Mike. You know, we all we all go through things, man. We all on our own journey. And things things occur in our lives for a reason. And the only only person to know what that reason is is you and God. And once you're able to just have a conversation with them, there's no there's no script on prayer. Mm -hmm. You have to sit, you have to have a conversation with God, like we're having a conversation. That's how I that's how I pray. I get on my knees and I have a conversation with him, tell him about my day, tell him about my goals, tell him about how I want to glorify his name even more than I am now. And we just have a conversation. See, mm -hmm. everybody feel they, they get afraid because they think they're not saying the right things or they're Ah, it's not about that. It's about you having a own personal relationship with God and having a conversation with him. And he will reveal things to you. He will talk to you. He will answer you. He's not going to ask you when you're ready. He's going to answer you when he's ready, when he yeah. knows you. I'm, I try to find myself every day. I'm not perfect. You know what I'm saying? I'm not married. And none of that stuff right now. I have a girlfriend. You know what I mean? But I'm in a great place right now because... When I wake up and when I go to bed at night, when I wake up in the morning, my goal remains the same. And that's to help somebody be a better version of themselves that day. Amen. That's Amen. how I live my life, brother. Helping someone be a better version of themselves today. Because my father told me, man, he said, when you walk out the door, be the best version of yourself. Because someone's watching. You're always auditioning for somebody. Hmm. Whether it's a nine to five job, you're auditioning for God, somebody's watching. So be the best version so that when people remember that version of you. If they remember a negative version or a bad version, it's going to always be that. So be the best version of yourself. That's why when I was playing in the NBA, when I wasn't, when I was a CBA, they, they couldn't say a bad word about Chris because I never went out there other than to be the best version of myself. 
present myself in a respectful way. So they couldn't say, oh, he was this, he was an asshole, he was that. They telling a lie because I was never that way. I never treated anybody any different. That's true. You know what I mean? Because basketball was what I did. It ain't what I am. Your first impression is your best impression. No doubt. <laughs> I, I didn't do no if I got to remember, oh, another story. Remember, I used to drive down Seventh Avenue to come to the garden. Remember? Yeah. And, yeah. and on 31st Street on the corner, them cats used to be out there shooting dice. <laughs> and I used to pull up, shoot dice for a minute because they was like the game was 730. And uh I would like pull up about five. And they look like, man, ain't you supposed to be in the game? I said, it's only five o'clock. So I would shoot a couple of, you know, crap. <laughs> and, and I was like, look, get y'all tickets to the game, man. Y'all need to get off the block. Yeah. Come to the game. And they look like, this dude is crazy. Yeah. And I would yeah. pull up and I would say, Mike, get these tickets, man, and give them to them cats on the block, man. That's just how I was, Mike. Yep. That's just me, bro. He did, and I and I did give him them tickets too. I did yeah. really give him them tickets, man. I was getting tickets for everybody, strippers. Yeah, y'all come on, bring your family, security, <laughs> your kids. Come to the game, you know what I mean? Because my thing is, man, I was blessed to not one play play in the best market ever. It will never be another market like the New York market. It's changed, but when we were playing, I was playing for the best market. Everybody wanted to play in New York. All right? I didn't have security. I didn't have a clothing contract. Even though Sean John Puffy looked out for me, he used to wear his gear. Calvin Klein looked out. Uh, other thing else, suits and stuff I bought, had made or whatever. So, I was in a position, in order to keep it, you have to give it away. Yeah. And it's not just monetary, it's the the fulfillment, the enjoyment of, I made it. And so if you worked hard, you can make it too. So if I can get a, a kid tickets to a game and he can see how hard I'm playing, then he might take that and employ it in his life and make that a part of his workout ethic whether it's in sports or in business or in school, then that's what this life is all about. It's about being of service to others. Yeah, I remember you used man. to always give, used to always give away a lot of clothes and sneakers, man. Like every month, you used to give away a lot of stuff. I mean, new stuff. Yeah. You know what I mean? Cause yeah. I mean, you can't take it with you. It's only, it's material stuff, man. I you, I, I want to see the enjoyment on somebody else's face. Yeah. So well, the excitement. Man, I've met many, many people, man, but it's not, it's nothing like regular food. There's nothing like a regular person, man. A person that got to get on the subway, go to work, go home to their family, make dinner, those are the people I used to rock with, man. Me and Oak got along. Oak was the same way. You know, Oak was like, yo, man, we ain't got to go and all this. Oak ain't had no security. No, he didn't. Ain't nobody. All the other cats had security. LJ got a driver. Right? I'm like, my thing was, 
you know, that's that's just how they got out. And I ain't got nothing against it, but I didn't want people to feel like I wasn't approachable. You yeah. know what I mean? I just, I'm, I'm just like you. I'm having dinner. You know, hey, what's going on? How y'all doing? Blah, 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 blah. And uh, just keep it moving. And that's what the fans loved about you, New York, man. They're my, they're my folks, man. I still talk to a lot of the fans. And I'm uh, supposed to be coming there this season to host a party. Me and Oak supposed to have a cook-off. Uh, with some, with these, with some fans, the Omni, Omni fan. Look, look up Omni fan on IG. It's two young ladies, man. Me and Oak, we're gonna set something up. We're gonna come and uh, have a cook off for the fans and let the fans choose whose meal's the best. And you know, we just go connect like we used to, man. Well, when you come to New York, you know, you gotta hit me up, man. I mean, we're oh, gonna yeah, be in no touch more. anyway, man. Yeah, facts. I'm gonna come pick you up. I'm going to come pick so, you up just like old times, man. Yeah, it's all good, man. I appreciate you, Chris, um, getting on here, man, talking to me and just, um, just talking about life and about journey and, and you know, some good times, man. Uh, it's been it's been a great, a great moment here on Michael Motivates. Thank you, Chris. I appreciate the love. And talk to y'all soon. Yeah, salute, brothers. Much love, Mike. Love you, boy. Love you, man. God bless. All right, you too, brother.